0: I think because I jumped all in so quickly with multiple companies from day one, I've never had the problem of being stuck in the business doing the work. I've always built companies from a high level and trusted and hired excellent people. And I've never felt the need to micromanage it. And I think it was a necessity than a learned skill because I had so much from the very first day I was in it.
1: This is Found in the Rockies, a podcast about the startup ecosystem in the Rocky Mountain region, featuring the founders, funders, and contributors, and most importantly, the stories of what they're building. I'm Les Craig from Next Frontier Capital. If you've been a listener for so long now that you basically have our episode intro memorized, You may also react to today's guest with kind of a, wait a minute, isn't this a repeat? And as a matter of fact, today's episode is technically a repeat of May 17th, 2021, because today's guest is Steph Sample, who is the founder and CEO of Funded. So what gives? Well, here's the twist. 15 months ago, Steph hosted me as a guest on Found in the Rockies. Hi, Steph. Welcome back to the show.
0: Thanks. It's really exciting to be here. I like being on the other side of it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, it's so cool. This is your, this was your podcast. You started this in, in the Rockies and um, handed over the reins, uh, you know, graciously to uh, to me uh, in 20, I think it was, when was that, 20, was it 2021, right, fall.
0: Yeah, yeah, because so. it, it's like, we originally started in the Rockies more as like a... A creative outlet. I just needed something new going on that felt like a new form of marketing and learn something new. And then when I started Funded, I couldn't really justify the bandwidth I was taking. It didn't really have brand alignment to what I was doing. And um, you are kind of at the center of the startup world in the region. So it just made sense for you to take over.
1: Well, it's 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 been such a joy and so much fun. Um, and we'll get into all that um but but first uh why don't you since you haven't had the chance on the other side of this why don't you just really tell our listeners kind of start at the beginning tell tell us all about you kind of your your story where you grew up and, and take take it away
0: sure um wow where to start um so i'm originally from salt lake city utah which is um honestly not something i've said a lot for a long time i've just said like oh i'm from montana i grew up in billings um And I did, like I moved to Montana when I was in fifth grade, um, had never like gone back to Salt Lake, but it's kind of a recent thing, which I could get into why all of a sudden Salt Lake's appearing and where you're from again, but, um, ended up kind of being raised in Billings, Montana, which, um, at the time I thought the entire state of Montana looked that way. So I, I really like was happy in Billings. I know. People have, like, weird things about Billings, but I, I actually loved growing up in Billings. I thought it was an awesome place. Um, Red Lodge, Montana. I grew up skiing there, and that is, like, still my favorite mountain in the state of Montana. Um, as long as they get and, enough
1: snow, right? Because we call that rock dodge. Sometimes oh, I know.
0: Honestly, when I was in high school, it had great snow every season. This is like a new thing and I don't get over there anymore. So I have a different experience at Red Lodge.
1: Beautiful area though. Really cool town. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, And then I went on going to college, um, which full transparency, like I was the first person in my family to go to college. I didn't really have this pressure to go. Um, If anything, like there's a a lot of concern around the cost and if it was worth it, but um, got a lot of support mostly from like my soccer coach and his family in going to college. So I did end up going to college, um, in Minnesota, ended up in China for college, um, became a Chinese major, and I needed to finish my degree. And that is what brought me to Missoula, Montana. Um, I was, you know, like trying to apply for college from China and, and I paid for my own school. So in-state was kind of the way to do it for me. Um, University of Montana had Chinese as a language. It was the only school in the state that did. So I'd never even been to Missoula, applied, got into business school, got into the Chinese program and rolled into town like the morning of classes. And I've really been here ever since. Um, I thought I was going to go back to China. I had a sports marketing job there that I loved, um, but as stories go, I met my husband while I was at the U of M. He was an entrepreneur here in the state with a business already. So moving was kind of out of the cards for us. And in a lot of ways, I felt like I was forced into becoming an entrepreneur. Um, I, because I was stuck here, you know, like I, I definitely had this, like, well, I'm stuck in Montana, which, you know, sounds ridiculous now, like, (laughs) but it was really hard back then. And, I, I remember like I had a really good relationship with a business school professor and I must've sound so pathetic, like whining about my life. Like, Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I have to, I guess be an entrepreneur in Montana. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's really what I've done. And so, you know, since 08, graduated from college, started my first company. And I've been a small business owner in Montana ever since until recently. And um, am now in a venture back company, but still owner of small businesses. And honestly, I, I identify way more with being a small business owner than like a founder. Like I was like, what is this title founder? Like business owners don't do that kind of crap. They just call themselves business owners and <laughs> yeah, kind yeah. of in a new phase in life.
1: Awesome. Well, and from an eco perspective ecosystem perspective, um, you know, I remember, you know, from the time we met, uh, when I moved here in, in twenty fifteen. Um, you, you definitely have been one of those, you know, one of the entrepreneurial forces in the state. I mean, constantly innovating, cons, constantly, um, you know, sort of pursuing opportunities. I mean, the, the, the podcast is an example of that. Also, uh, the insight studio, I love what you were doing there. I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about where, where that came from and, and what the insight studio, uh, has done.
0: Sure. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Like I have, so like I said, I started my first business right out of college. Um, it was a bag company, which it, um, was so fun. I like made these marathon bags. I would like go to marathons every weekend, set up my expo booth and like hawk my wares, saw all the people walking by, like trying to get them to buy them. And then, um, I feel like my journey has been kind of this like progression of like business after business. um, Got into, like, franchise brands. Um, I bought a business, you know, out of Texas and moved it to Montana. Um, And then the Insight Studio. And um, it's not that I ever, like, saw myself as, like, an ecosystem builder in Montana or innovator. I think what I was, like, always looking for was to do something that was, like, really big, really challenging. And in Montana, I always felt like you had to take these, like, steps towards that. Um, which was my own limitation. That wasn't a limitation anyone was putting on me, but that was my mindset of um I don't know, just not I guess not being willing to like really jump in. But Insight Studio, I think, was a really fun company that led to funded. Um I had been taking kind of some consulting gigs in growth, which has always been my strong suit in companies of really like listening to the customer journey and trying to understand it and then figuring out how to sell and market in a really scalable, efficient way. So I'm helping all these other companies do that. And I eventually decided um, instead of, you know, isn't like any good entrepreneur, instead of selling my own time, (laughs) maybe I should create a company and have a team around me, which was an amazing team and still is the insight studio. We were like a team of my. Five. We were all expert marketers, um, really good at HubSpot, which is a software a lot of startups use, and we would go in and help companies kind of set up their HubSpot use case, um, make their data really efficient in there and find insights. Um, that team is actually who built, funded my new company um, with me, except for my um, the first team member, um, Andrew, who's awesome, like nicest guy in the world. Um, came to me as we were transitioning and said, like, you know, I I told you a long time ago, I've always wanted to be a business owner. Like, is that in the cards here at the Insight Studio? Um, So I actually have transitioned the company to Andrew. We helped him rebuild the team. And like, it's probably been like the biggest joy of my life, actually, is to help someone else become an entrepreneur, um, to see like a business that I was really proud of, carry on and continue to serve customers well. And then just to see Andrew like grow in that role and do such a good job with it. And it kind of comes back to why I care about this small business space so much is like Andrew's crushing it. He's like so good at running this company. And then to think like he couldn't have just done this, like the capital isn't out there for him to just do that. Like, he was lucky to have found, you know, to work for me and me be like, yeah, of course. And I'll like owner finance it and no big deal. But, you know, so many totally capable people mm-hmm. don't get to become entrepreneurs every day, not because of a lack of skill, but more of a lack of how the system works.
1: Such a great point. And I, I think we see that uh, probably with even greater density in a place like in an ecosystem like Montana. Um, and, and, and not to you, you glazed over it a little bit, but I mean the Insight Studio, you've helped n- multiple companies in our state, early stage companies, NFC portfolio companies. I mean it's 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 very much part of I think who you are and what the Insight Studio is all about is like providing, you know especially with regards to you know kind of optimizing uh, sales and marketing, but helping early stage companies um, grow and be successful in under conditions that otherwise they maybe wouldn't make it, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And it it is so fun. Like the Insight Studio, it's funny because they're a sales and marketing company, but, and this reigns true and funded now. I've always had this philosophy of a good marketing plan is to be really damn helpful and believe in karma. Um, And that is like, it's like the whole company, the Insight Studio is built around that motto. Um, Always like anyone could email the Insight Studio and be like, hey, I use HubSpot. It's really messed up. Will you meet with us for an hour? And it's like, of course, we'd love to share our knowledge having no like having no idea where that's going to go or expecting anything. And some of our best clients along the way were, were like random people. We helped for an hour and never talked to again, sending us like awesome clients down the road. And I just like I love those kind of models when they work.
1: Yeah, super fun. So so speaking of like of the 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 opportunity that that, you know, pulled you, pulled you away from, from, uh, um, almost said HubSpot pulled you away from the insight studio into something totally new. I mean, what you had going was, it was incredible. Um, take us through that journey. Like what, how did, how did the idea and the motivation and the spark for funded really get, get going?
0: Yeah, it's a, um, it's a good question. So when I started the insight studio, um, I was limited on what I could do because I still had another company in my portfolio um, that I was anchored to that really did limit how big of another company I could build or how much time I could spend. Because until I found a way to exit this other business, um, which was in the franchise space, um, I I I was just like, couldn't go out and do a whole lot. But I also knew that I was helping all these businesses, I was selling my time. And so when I started the Insight Studio, even early on, I told the team, which was the same team through the whole journey, um, I know better than to sell our time. Um, I don't believe in services businesses um, because my time is really valuable to me and it's not scalable. But we're really good at this and we all have kind of this skill set. So we're going to go out and help a lot of companies, we're going to learn a ton. And at some point, we're not going to do this for other people anymore. So interesting, like, I actually built the Insight Studio, never intending on sticking with it long term, which I know is like a crazy concept, except for if you know me, you know that I'm literally not capable, nor do I want to ever do something for more than 10 years, like ever in my life. Um, I'm very comfortable with that idea. And my team knew I was, too, because I had done it a few times before. And so with the Insight Studio, what happened was um, right before COVID hit, I had an amazing opportunity to exit the franchise business I was in. Um, so I sold my stores um, to one of the bigger franchisees in the in the brand. So I had new, new time on my hands. COVID just hit. Um, and what happened was I was already kind of on – this kind of—I don't even know how to explain. It. I was in this like rabbit hole of understanding women entrepreneurship because I personally had a super shitty experience that um, really like opened my eyes to these like limitations and like why are these experiences different for women? And I had started a nonprofit to try to help other women entrepreneurs. Um, that was and propeller. then is that right?
1: yeah, Taylor. Yep. Well, oh, is Sorry. yeah
0: yep no problem and so i was on this kick of like you know like women need to be better represented and they need to like be able to grow their businesses then i exited one and then covid hit and then the first round of the ppp loans came out Mm. and there was this article in the wall street Journal. That was um, called out. That essentially the first round of funding <laughs> went to like a bunch of like traditional bankers that like turned around and gave it to all their like traditional clients, which happened to be pretty much all white dudes, right? I was gonna say you're um, being very
1: kind with the word traditional, <laughs> using yeah. traditional as a substitute. Yeah. But it, it's yeah, it wasn't wasn't good. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it, it wasn't like intentional, but that was like just right. you know another signal of how the world works. And I was just so pissed um, when I read that article, like so mad. And then I swear to God, the next article I read is I get this email. um, This woman I'm in a business group with named Jessie Draper of Halogen Ventures um, wrote this Medium post. um, And it was like, women are not an effing charity. And it actually talked about how in the time of COVID, what happened in the VC landscape is actually VCs retreated to safety and funding into diverse founders, specifically women, actually crashed in COVID. And there's like, and there's all this crazy data around it. And so I literally went from like already super passionate about women entrepreneurship, reading this article about the PPP loans, like skipping. Underserved business owners that needed it the most, and then like VC was drying up for women, and I'm like so effing pissed. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I literally, so you, like, so you were
1: like, I'm going to do something about this, right? Yeah, I
0: like yeah. literally like looked over at my husband and was like, I'm not going to be on the sidelines. Like, I'm going to do something. I'm going to try. I have the time now because I exited this business. Um, and what I did was I, I, I didn't really know what. I put it out to my network, um, which I've always been super grateful to have such an awesome network and specifically in the financial services segment of the network I'm in. And I said like, Hey, like I'm super pissed. I'm really good at at doing something when I have a chip on my shoulder and, um, I need a salt for these small business owners. Like I have to try. And so I just want to learn like how to And I got so many responses, like so many amazing people took meetings with me, told me like all they knew from like 30 years of experience in small business lending or support. And I would just like take in all this information, go and play with it a little bit, come back with ideas, meet with people again. So I really went in knowing like I want to have an impact on how small businesses in America have access to, to capital and also just business finance in general I don't really know what the solution is. And I want to be really open-minded on what it could be. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just kind of like went on this journey and started asking people. And then it went really, really fast. Like this was like February of 2021. And by, it was like April 1st, I formed my company and met my lawyer at Cooley for the first time Um, by, I think it was like May or April I'd launched what I thought was going to be the best lead generation tool for the company because I knew in FinTech that customer acquisition costs was one of the biggest problems. And I, and so I wanted to kind of de-risk it more for myself and investors. I love that investors think that I de-risked it for them. I de-risked <laughs> it for myself, right? Like this is going to be my time in the future. Um, and that went live. It immediately worked. It was going really well. We built what's called the grant match program. And then, I think I started raising in August. I closed my, my first round of funding, which is my seed round in November.
1: Incredible. At the speed of startups, for sure. What yeah. was, uh, what was, can you tell us a little bit about the process? I mean, the, the origin's incredible. I mean, it, it's no surprise to me that, you know, Steph Sample got really passionate about something and now she's like <laughs> not going to quit until it is, it is solved. But tell me about like, uh, beyond that fundraising, like, because it's, it's, It's hard to do anything, um, in this kind of space, especially in this category without raising money. And as a Montana based founder, tell us, tell us about that journey.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, leading up to this moment, I never intended to do anything in venture. Um, if anything, I was opposed to it. I I was fortunate, right? Like for over 10 years, my husband and I are the sole owners of our many businesses, um, we are bankable because we have assets to leverage when we go to start new businesses. Um, so I, I was kind of like, well, why would I possibly take anyone else's money? Like, um, right. But when I was out exploring and understanding how to solve this problem, and I just knew that's what I wanted to do with my time, um, I knew I had to do it at scale. I didn't even know what fintech was. had never even heard the term. Um, so when people were proposing, like, and really in order to do this, you really need to use data in different ways. You need to like be able to kind of look at the full picture of a business and you need to use technology in order to do that. And, um, and that means this thing called FinTech and I'm like, okay, let me Google that. It um, <laughs> literally like you know, what timeframe
1: is this? Like, this is literally like in early like last April.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it.
0: I know so now I'm you like, mind
1: when you googled fintech
0: I mean it was it was actually kind of funny because I'm like what is fintech and it's like fintech is financial technology and it's like well no shit but what is that <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, um, I kind of got turned on to this idea and, and it was like, Hey, like, you know, you're in a phase in life or you want to build something really big. And I did like, so it's like, I really, really care about this problem, but I also, I really, really care about seeing myself compete at the highest level too. Um, I'm super competitive person. I think I'm capable of a lot more than I've done to date and it, and I'm in a phase of life where, I want to compete at that level. I want to build companies at that level. And getting into something venture-backable is how you do that in a lot of ways because of the money, the th- everything that's on the line, um, the kind of, like, size of the decisions. Um, mm-hmm. So I I kind of was like, all right, it looks like I'm doing it this way. And I think I called you. I'm like, oh, class, you're not going to believe this, I'm going to actually raise money. Like, I'm sure you fell out and, of your and chair. I was like... <laughs>
1: Yeah. I was like, you really, (laughs) you, I did not expect you to call me and ask me that. No, but I mean, I, I think it, I think it says a lot. Um, and you know, I was, I was really excited for you and, and, and proud of the decision when you, when you decided to go down that path, what was it like, what was the process like for you?
0: Yeah. You know, um, it's so funny because like in the moment it's like, Oh my God, this is hell. Like this really sucks. And now looking back, I'm like, dude, you've raised a lot of money in two months. Like, it wasn't so bad. Right. But, um, you know, I really treated it and I feel like I've said this a million times, like a competitive sport that I must win. Um, and I'm totally serious. Like I was super strategic, um, because of my network and my connection to San Francisco for the last few years, I had a lot of great resources that taught me the game, um, of raising venture. I didn't treat it as this, like, you know, fluffy thing where I'm going to go tell the world about my passion and they're just going to want to throw money at me and be like, go make rainbows. And, um, you know, <laughs> it was like, I, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah,
0: I was like, okay, this is going to be really hard. I need to be really prepared. I need to have like all my ducks in a row. Yep. And I really did. Like I, I was helped by this, this one guy who's, um, so awesome named Kyle from AmFam Ventures. Um, and he was just a friend through my network. He wasn't someone I was pitching, but he like, he's like, well, do you have a data room? And I'm like, what's a data room? And he's like, well, let me show you how to build one. And and but I took it all very seriously. Like, I, I treated it as if um, there were a lot on the line and that there was going to be a very small chance that I was going to be able to raise money. And so I needed to work really hard at it. Um, and I did what everyone did. I bugged the hell out of my friends. I begged for introductions. I Mm -hmm. replied 10 times to people until I got the intro. I was willing to take any call at any time with no notice. Um, and I put myself out there over and over again. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, like sold my vision too. I mean, I think what I was lucky was, um, I knew, to get something live that can show that I could acquire this segment. Because okay. um, in this small business specifically, there's kind of a thought that it's really hard to service these businesses. Um, they're, they cost a lot of money to acquire. And so I, I don't know if I was so smart in that or if I was lucky that that's where I started. But, you know, I had a, a lot of users of my grant match program in a really short period of time at an incredibly low acquisition cost. And I leaned into that really hard, right? Of like, look, I know I could acquire these people. I need to go build this product now. But honestly, like, I would say less than three people made almost all of my introductions. Um, and the people so that- focus-
1: you focused on a really tight, uh, kind of first degree network that, that actually brought ultimately your investors to the table. Is that right? Is that what I'm hearing?
0: Yeah. About? Yeah. And, um, and honestly, like my lawyer, um, from Cooley made the most key introduction for me, um, mm-hmm. that opened the most doors. And what's so cool about that was when I met this individual, it had nothing to do with raising money. It was just for advice and help. And so we had this relationship built on total transparency, and me just and and I am like, which is good because I literally am not capable of like holding back anything. Um, and so when someone like that that knows you inside and out, how you're thinking, how you think about companies, is the one that wants to invest in you, wants to get you investors. It's, it's a good thing. Um, and so it was just kind of interesting because the people that ended up writing checks were more people that I was getting advice from than I was Mm -hmm. pitching. Um, it's like that old
1: saying, right? If you, if you, uh, ask for advice, you get money. If you ask for money, you get advice, right? I mean, it's kind of, yeah.
0: And I didn't intend it that way, but, um, but I will say it was really hard. And it's a really broken system, which I'm assuming, you know, <laughs> like it, it's totally ridiculous that in <laughs> our world, a VC wants you to go out and find an introduction to them. I mean, talk about limiting. If you think about like your job as a VC is to return your fund, you should be working your ass off to be getting it like founders on your calendar founders should not be working their asses off to get on your calendar i
1: i so. have nothing to say steph <laughs> i feel like you're the host again and i'm in the hot seat
0: here.
1: you're you're right though you're right though and i no, I, and, I,
0: you and know. you're great at it i'm just saying like that's a broken system and no wonder women don't get funding mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah well but.
1: you know I, I i i really like a couple couple takeaways from what you said i think phenomenal advice for founders especially founders in our region you know number one I love this takeaway of the lawyer making the key introductions because I think mm-hmm. most often especially in founder cir- circles I can't say that lawyers have like great wraps and reputations I mean they're billing these founders hourly it's like that's the business model but mm-hmm. I couldn't agree with you more I think some of the best intros I see out there are also from service providers as well yeah so, it's a great, oh, and I have—I like—I
0: have the most amazing lawyer ever. Um, in fact, it's like I don't even like telling anyone her name anymore because I'm like I don't want her to have time for anyone but me and my friends who use her. Yeah,
1: <laughs> she sounds like she needs to grow the firm a little bit then, or maybe hire some more people. Um, yeah. Um, the the
0: other—the
1: other thing though that you hit on, I think, is great. Is you know, you talked a lot about. Um, you know, despite the fact that, yeah, sure. It's, it's a, it's a broken kind of uh, some of the process in the industry is a little broken and disjointed, but you focused on understanding that, right? Like what's a data room? Oh, okay. I'm going to, I don't know what that is, but I'm going to make the best damn pre seed stage mm-hmm. data room. I mean, one of the best I've ever seen when I, when I took a look, um, I mean, you nailed it. And th- like, that's sometimes what it takes. It's like that extra diligence of organization, process and then ultimately getting those warm intros, like yeah a, a company aside, founders aside, sometimes that's the difference maker, right? For like whether totally. or not you close around, right?
0: Yeah. And for me how I thought about it, because you know, it's so easy to be mad at the broken process. Um, but I remember I'm in this like small business group and there's there's VC in the group, um, and a, and a couple of founders that are venture back. And I remember just having this moment in this group where I said, like, I'm going to play the game well and fix it later. Um, Like, you know, it's like these are the cards I've been dealt. This is the game of how to get the capital. And I care more about these small businesses that I want to serve to be mad at the way that the process works. And I just have to play the game. I have to understand it. And I have to get through it because it it you know it really is easier to be like, this is so frustrating. I live in Montana and like these people in California expect me to like know their Stanford buddies. Like I don't know their Stanford buddies. <laughs> I don't want to know their Stanford buddies. Like
1: <laughs> Yeah. Well so yeah. so you so you 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 figured out out a way to navigate it. Uh you got and your, ended you got up with your... the
0: best investors ever by the way like I like I truly exactly. really do and I, I wouldn't say that otherwise like I feel like I got so so lucky mm-hmm. um, and I'm so grateful for my investors
1: so so then what ship ship is set sail life is good uh you 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 win like what happened next
0: yeah (laughs) yeah so it's a good question um life is so not good um but it it is um so i closed my seed round in november i raised 3.25 million dollars pre-product um from fintech specific investors which to me was really important because fintech is a very complicated specific game it doesn't work like a SaaS business um So I was so grateful to get a lead investor that was fintech specific. I was Mm -hmm. super duper excited to also get a um, VC on my cap table as my second largest investor that only invests in women. Like I, in fact, I turned down another fund to make that happen. And I'm so grateful for them and the community that they build for me. But I raised the round on the success of the grant match program, our ability. um, And I built that like on Um, we, what we essentially did was, um, realize that small business owners in their frustration of not being able to get capital will turn to searching for business grants as a solution, but business grants are really hard to find. They're like mixed in like nonprofit websites or they're all one-offs. So we consolidated that data and made them really searchable. And we, that is still like our main product. And then I raised on the idea of building, um, A card product that would serve as an on-ramp for small business owners, businesses with under 10 employees is who are passionate about um, just 26 million businesses in the U.S. And what I care about is it represents 98% of all women-owned businesses, too. And um, these businesses oftentimes use their personal credit card um, to run their businesses because they can't get access to credit otherwise. And so my vision was to partner with Experian to create a proprietary underwriting model that approved these business owners for a business charge card that would allow them to stop using their personal card for their business, start using our card as an on-ramp to being even more lendable in the future. So we see this as like, an on-ramp entry-level product for small businesses that then goes on to unlock all sorts of other lending products. We've been building it ever since. Um, so that was in late November. Um, we had quite the journey. Um, it's actually been so fascinating. Like, I've, I've mostly loved every step of how finance works. Um, we looked at bass players. We looked at going direct. Um, we ended up being... Super lucky where we got a term sheet from Cross River Bank, which is like the leading bank partner in fintech. Really big names behind them. Um, and we chose to go direct to market with our card, which we are about to launch in like 40 days. Um, and that is like record time, by the way. Yeah, it feels like time to me, (laughs) but we really are like getting a card product to market direct, not through a bass player, in like like record time.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, and Steph, I got I got to do this because, like, just to remind our listeners, you googled fintech like I a know. year ago. <laughs> I know. It's and so now, funny. now you're I, like writing the the next chapter in the Wikipedia article. Like, you are. It's unbelievable what you've done. It in, really I, is.
0: I, um, yeah. I really do think I'm like a go-to resource in how it all works. <laughs> But I think it's because I was, because I didn't come from the finance um, background, I was so nervous that I didn't know, like, what the hell I was doing that I overcompensated by learning every detail. And I left, like, nothing to someone else to teach me. So now I'm like, it's like now I like meet a new founder that wants to be in fintech and they think they want to do a card product. And it's like, well, you need your bank partner, your processor, um, and your network. And here's how they go together. And don't forget about the seven different accounts that make up your flow of funds. And, and I'll like stop mid sentence and like laugh at myself. But, um, It's actually really fascinating, though. Like, it's super interesting how money moves in America. So I've mostly, like, loved learning about it. And every time you learn more about it, you see why this is such a problem for small businesses. I mean, especially in lending, like, you know, there's this, like, why are business loans so expensive? Why are interest rates so high? And then you like really get into the weeds of it. It's like, oh shit! Like the cost of capital just to lend to a business owner is really high, and yep. and all these numbers. And if you don't have credit history, you really do need a better way to underwrite. And it really doesn't exist because. Yeah. Um, and then I would say the the problem in tech and in fintech is that um, someone, some a hole out there who will have to hunt down one day started this like story that small businesses weren't worth serving and I feel like there's this sentiment out there um that it's like you can't make money on them and and it probably started with banks um and that's just not true like we make money on consumer loans that are ten thousand dollars in our world that's right so the idea that we can't make money lending to small businesses is just crazy um but because of that to our advantage. um, We really don't have a lot of competitors. Mm -hmm.
1: Interesting. Yeah, I I would have never thought of it that way. But you bring up a really, really great point. I wonder if it's just At some point, uh, the the a hole that you referenced just was lazy, (laughs) and so it's like ah, this is I don't have to do any work if I if we just ignore this stuff. So
0: well, and I think what happens, and it's valid. um, It's like I'm entering this space because I'm solely passionate about this segment, Mm -hmm. so I have a really strong mission and why behind me to stick with it. But if I were honest, it would be really a lot easier for me if I served a larger business, I could make more with less customers, it would be more predictable, there would be more data for me to use to underwrite them. And so it's no surprise that a group like a card company out there that just dropped small business might then be like, oh, we're not serving small business anymore. And it's like, well, yeah, because they never had the strong mission behind them of why they were even there in the first place.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, what about anything exciting to announce? What's coming next? Um, you talked a little bit about kind of the card launch and stuff coming up, but what what else? What else is exciting in in store? And maybe also, uh, would love to hear in addition to that, any challenges you're you're working through.
0: Sure. Um, I think the most exciting thing going on is our team. Um, Because of our mission um, and our focus, we've been able to attract talent that we don't deserve, that I don't deserve. Um, So I just, like, love working with my team. They were just in Montana last week, which is so cool when you get to host people from, you know, like, San Francisco and North Carolina um, in Montana. So that was super special. And I just am really I just love working with this team. It's just a bunch of smart people that are so mission driven and also really care about winning at the same time. And that's, I think a really unique special combination when you can couple like a strong mission with a desire to win a market. Mm-hmm. Um, out of that, like launching our card is a really big deal for us. It's a lot of work. Like um, it. I can't, I can't even emphasize how hard it is to get through bank diligence with a big bank player and what goes into that and what goes into a credit policy. And, um, so it was like 300 lines of diligence that is just an insane process, Um, same with the model, like it's so, so hard, but you really come out the other side as a fine, like a well oiled machine, but getting that card live is, is a really big deal for us. Something, um, we're really excited to do mostly to serve these business owners. And in a lot of ways, um, I'm more excited to get it live because it opens up the door for us to then use that data to create better lending products. Cause I would say like a challenge, um, for me or what kind of keeps me up at night is I get to like go out and tell the world about how great fund it is. But the reality is, is um, we aren't doing an excellent job at solving this problem yet. Um, we aren't offering enough lending products to enough small businesses and creating that data model well enough. Um, when we have to get our card to market in order to start getting that data to create better products for them. But, you know, I'd maybe give us like a C on the value we're creating for small businesses right now. And it's really important to me to really be adding more value and creating better products. So um, that's hard because you want to skip right to that finish line, right, of like being really proud of your product. And instead, we're in a phase where we have to earn the right to serve the smallest customer, the most risky customer We have to have a business, um, that can make it that far to do that. Um, and it's challenging to be disciplined and know, like, no, the business has to work first and then you get to keep being riskier and riskier every day. Um, and I'll say that, like, I think I, you know, I just raised money in a, in a pretty horrible market. Um, again, I feel grateful. Like all my investors more than double downed on me. I have amazing investors, um, so it was easier than probably most are experiencing, but it did like put like the fear of God in me. Cause I do need a raise again in a few months. <laughs> so I, I would say that that's a challenge, but one that I'm like actively trying to de-risk right now. I see.
1: Well, I mean, between the challenges that you've been through and the challenges that lie ahead, I mean, it's clear that this, you know. It's not going to let up. Like this is not a trivial problem in a trivial space. Like this is impacting and changing, changing people's lives. uh, You know, in a in a big way. So it's it's worth fighting for. And probably only someone that wakes up one day and says, "F this, I'm doing it," and then Google's (laughs) fintech. Like that's what it would take. (laughs) That's what it would take. Enough to do that. Yeah, that's what it would take. So I know it is
0: such a big problem too. Like it. Um, it's funny because in fintech, people were like. Aren't there small business lending solutions already? And it's like, well, maybe, but I don't know any group of businesses sitting around a table being like, "Geez, we're so glad the financial system solved all our problems for us." (laughs) 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 Clearly, that is not the case. No small
1: business ever. Yeah. (laughs) No. Awesome. Well, uh, I've got like two more, two more questions. They're both kind of fun. So okay. um, so, uh, first of all, you alluded to this one early on, but I want to revisit it. You said you used to, people would ask you where you're from, and you didn't really say Salt Lake, but you're saying that more now. What What gives? Mm. What's the deal?
0: Oh, you're dancing into an <laughs> off-limits topic, Les. Um, Is it yes, really? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I no, it's really you're cool. good. I think it's cool. Yeah, yeah. So, a month ago, I decided to move to Salt Lake um, from Missoula. And, you know, before all the Montanans get mad at me, um, we we still are Montana residents. We will be here all summer, every summer. We have an office in Missoula where we intend to hire a lot of employees and create really high paying, great jobs here. But for me, um, the, the reality is, is it is hard to build a scalable company from Montana, um, especially when you're getting on a plane to New York and San Francisco all the time. Um, and one of my most strategic advisors and helpers lives in salt lake um it's a great financial hub city um a great community the startup community really is excellent there they're like i was there for like a day and felt like i had a million friends and um you know and ran into you in the first week yeah, so. yeah. Um, it already feels like home, but we are really excited to make Salt Lake more home for funded and to grow our startup out of Salt Lake while still keeping um, strong Montana roots too. But it is weird because people in Utah are like, why'd you move here? And I'm like, well, I guess I'm kind of from here. Um <laughs> haven't said that in about 20 years <laughs>
1: <laughs> well I really I, I really thank you for sharing that with with our listeners because I you know and I think it's it, it communicates a really great point which is the Rockies there's so many amazing places in the Rockies to live and work and build companies and you know Missoula is one of those great places Salt Lake City is another one of those great places so uh, yeah thank you for sharing that stuff um so the last question I have for you, and this is kind of an homage. You used to do, I used to love, you used to do the rapid fire rounds with mm, your guests. Right. And you know, I I'm I don't know what it is. I guess I talk too much or what. We never have time to do the full rapid round. But <laughs> I would like I would like to know, uh, in a rapid round style question that you asked me, what is something that you're looking forward to in the next thirty days.
0: I mean, honestly, I mean, spoken like a true parent, but I think people will relate to this. My kids start a new school next week, which is like the most terrifying thing as a parent ever. And I'm just so excited to get through that and settle into this new world because I know they're going to do great. Like, I know they're going to do great. And 30 days from now, what will be most exciting to me is just watching them also see that
1: that's that's such a great answer and actually i'm i'm gonna take it back i do have one more question because i i, I think this is so important to hit on and if if you're listening to this episode up until this point and, and 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 frankly i mean even some of the details of some of the multiple companies in the franchise i mean you have owned multiple businesses at the same time you've i mean i think if if people really knew even some of the more of the details they'd be like well this is clearly like a a lifelong entrepreneur, solo entrepreneur, probably not a parent. You're a mom.
0: Yeah. You're an amazing,
1: an amazing mom at that. How do you do it all, Steph? How do you balance being a mom with being a founder and a successful entrepreneur? And it's in a career as an entrepreneur.
0: Yeah. You know, I get that question a lot. In fact, I think um, your partner on Next Frontier, that might be what he says to me every time he sees me. And, you know, the reality is, it's like, I don't really know, like, I just like do um and I, I love my kids. Like, you know, I, I the reality is I'm not willing to sacrifice um for a company at the expense of my family. I love hanging out with my family. They're super cool. We love going camping and doing all the things. Um so either I actually I I I process this actually recently because I keep getting asked it. Um, I think because I jumped all in so quickly with multiple companies from day one, Mm -hmm. I've never had the problem of being stuck in the business doing the work. I've always built companies from a high level and trusted and hired excellent people. And I've never felt the need to micromanage it. And I think it was a necessity than a learned skill because I had so much from the very first day I was in it. Um, and then, you know, my husband said this to me in college and it's still like a theme in my life is, um, the, the to-do list will always grow. It never shrinks. So you have to have the discipline to walk away from it so that you could come back the next day with the energy needed to crush it again. Um, And I would say that's kind of like a family theme for us is like, you know, I could work till midnight and and it's not going to be enough. And so at some point I have to walk away because if I don't, I'm not going to have the energy tomorrow to even look at the list again.
1: Such great advice. Such great advice. Well, Steph, I just want to thank you so much uh, for being on your show. I mean, this is your, you started this all. And then another thing you touched and started. Um, so fun to have a twist of an episode here where, where you return as a guest and and congratulations on all the amazing progress with Funded. I think we're all rooting hard to, to see you win and, and build a, an amazing company, which we're, we're all, I think, pretty confident you're, 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 you're doing. <laughs> so uh, could, you. You please, could you please tell uh, our audience a little bit more about where they can find you and Funded online?
0: Yep. Um, our website is getfunded.com and that spell, um, funded is spelled F U N D I D. Um, because of course every word on earth is taken anymore for businesses. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. That's all I'm on. Um, I don't even know how to use Twitter. I plan to never know. Um, but I am on LinkedIn. Um, and I, I love to hear from people. I love helping people when I can, or at least connecting them to people I could help. So, um, female founders uh, in the Rockies that are raising money, I am always willing to drop everything to send forwarding blurbs to VCs for.
1: What an amazing offer. Thanks, Steph. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Found in the Rockies. You can find links in the show notes or go to nextfrontiercapital.com to get transcripts, links, and contact information for today's guests. If you like what you heard and want more, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to get notified as our new episodes drop every two weeks. We'll see you next time.